welcome to episode six of the Double Double. Today we're going to spew a couple NBA hot takes and then be joined by an Ohio State super fan to discuss Dwayne Haskins. We're going to let that guest be a surprise. It's well known around Wesleyan, right, David? Oh, yeah. He's a Wesleyan legend. Legend. So if you guys wouldn't mind, please subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast. We, we absolutely love five stars, so the, the more the better. And we've also added an email. If you guys have any feedback or questions or topics we'd like to uh, to discuss on the pod, what's what's the email, David? It is double double four zero two at gmail.com. Sweet. So any any feedback you guys have for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, you can send it there. Double double four zero two at gmail.com. So today, what we're gonna do, David and I, we're gonna go back and forth. Each give three takes pertaining to the nba david what's your first take yeah so my first take kelly and this is kind of have of what we've been building up to over the course of a couple podcasts and and this team has played a lot better over the last few weeks which is that the houston rockets will be back in the western conference finals i foresee them returning to that to the third round of, of the playoffs with the way Harden's playing and Chris Paul being back, the addition of Kenneth Reed, I wasn't expecting to be such a big success like it's been. He's been awesome for them. Austin Rivers has been playing well. Capella's back. This team is this team's gonna be a really tough out in the playoffs. So I think that they'll get to the Western Conference Finals again and, and perhaps even take the Warriors to seven again. Who knows? That's bold. The West is definitely more wide open. We may have kind of jinxed James Harden a bit. Since we both had him as our MVPs of the league, he, he missed his first 22 three-point attempts after the All-Star break. So if, if there's a such thing as a double-double curse, James Harden may have been the, uh, the recipient of that. I'm not sure I'm going to agree with you yet in terms of the Rockets. I think there's definitely a chance. A lot of that is going to have to do with how Chris Paul plays for the rest of the season. He started off very slow and recently he's kind of had a a resurgence and he he seems to be playing like the Chris Paul of the of the Clipper days but you know that that contract is he's not going to age well so if the Rockets are going to make a run this this year and probably next year is the year to do it the addition of Kenneth Reed was huge I I mean they, they went into Golden State and beat beat the Warriors without without James Harden so I definitely think there's something to that you think they're going to be in the conference finals what how, how much of a chance would you give them of knock, knocking out Goliath? I think that that their chance of beating the Warriors probably rests around 30% because, well, well, mainly because, you know, they took them to seven last year, and really if Chris Paul didn't get hurt, they probably were going to win that series. Cause, and just the reason why I only have at 30% is just I just don't trust Chris Paul to stay healthy for that long. And I also don't yet fully trust Harden over the course of a whole postseason that he'll be able to keep it up and beat the Warriors. The reason why I really think they'll make the finals is because as the team you mentioned, the Nuggets, watching the way that the Rockets play and just the way that they find the matchup and hunt matchups in the pick and roll and just attack one-on-one ISO style with Chris Paul and James Harden, I really don't see Nikola Jokic being able or to to guard either one of them effectively over seven games. So I think that they'll be able to knock out the Nuggets if they got to them. I think the Thunder will be a, a tough matchup, but it's but if they can avoid the Thunder, I think that they can really get to the Western Conference Finals. Kind of going off what you said with Chris Paul, like 
hamstring injuries, they seem to, it's, it's not a matter of if, but when. And last year, it was at the worst possible time for the Rockets. And so you just kind of, you know, cross your fingers and hope that doesn't happen again this year. But of all of the teams in the West, I think I'm with you that in terms of knocking off Golden State, I think Oklahoma City won, Rockets two, and in the right circumstance, if Paul George cools down a little bit and, and Chris Paul is able to, you know, be the Chris Paul of old, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Rockets can make the Western Conference Finals, but I do think there's really no chance that they do beat Golden State. Yeah, but yeah, but watching their game on Saturday night without uh, without Harden and the fact they were still able to win is is Cousins on defense a big concern uh, when matching up against the Rockets because he's the guy that they'll be able to hunt in the pick and roll and and attack him is it's almost like having Cousins hurts them defensively. It's incredible offensively but it would hurt them defensively against the Rockets because they were able to play small last year but because McGee really proved himself and but in Jordan Bell but over the course of seven games just attacking Cousins off the bounce has to wear him down as well there's going to come a time where Steve Kerr he's trying to appease the Marcus Cousins right now and just we don't want any tantrums from Boogie or anything but when push comes to shove in the playoffs and the Warriors need a win or they need a, a big fourth quarter I don't I don't see boogie being on the court interesting very interesting because because i don't see it either my first take i think right now mike budenholzer is probably the favorite for coach of the year just kind of the transformation that the bucks have had but i think having anyone besides jason kidd and joe prunty on the sidelines last year would have been an upgrade for the bucks and Giannis. and i think there was progression coming this season regardless who who was on the sidelines so while bud deserves some credit the the praise he's received has been a little exaggerated just because there's going to come improvement when you have a 25 year old superstar i think nate mcmillan from the pacers deserves strong coach of the year consideration and i don't hear anybody talking about him pacers are third in the east right now with oladipo hurt and they have seven dudes scoring in double figures, and not a single one of them is scoring more than 17 points. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because Indiana has had an awesome season, especially once they went down and lost Oladipo. A lot of people rightfully probably wrote them off for the playoffs, and but they've continued to win, and they've continued to compete, which has been really impressive. I do think that it's it's kind of like, you know, the, the Harden-Giannis conversation in that, if 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 James Harden wasn't having such a historic season, scoring wise, Giannis would clearly be the most valuable player. And if Milwaukee hasn't gone through such a such a turnaround to to really be the best team in the Eastern Conference so far and have the best record in in the NBA, like if they didn't like if they weren't so good this year so far, Bootenholzer wouldn't be you know. It wouldn't be so clear cut in a way. Like it feels like Nate McMillan is the Giannis to Budenholzer's Harden. I think that's an interesting analogy. I mean, just the Pacers, Bogdanovich, Sabonis, Wes Matthews. They added recently Miles Turner, Thaddeus Young, Tyreek Evans, Darren Collison. Like these are these are guys who are serviceable pros. I, I don't think anyone would have picked the Pacers, especially losing Victor Oladipo, to be in third place this deep into the season. 
I mean, even since Oladipo went out, they they ran off a string of wins there, like eight out of nine or something crazy. Yeah, you know, if Indiana finishes the season ahead of Philadelphia and Boston, and in that third seed, then I then I really think that the buzz will will grow a lot because, as you said, they're just a really well built team. Like they just have guys on that team who are really good. You always wonder, like, oh, where's that guy playing now? Oh, he's in Indiana. Oh, wait, what about Tyreek Evans? Oh, he's in Indiana too. It's like they just have all these guys who are just really good role players who understand how to be a professional and and just win NBA basketball games. Yeah, everyone seems to be, just be like, oh, it's just a matter of time before they fall off, and we look at the standings, and they're in they're in fifth or sixth place, and that hasn't happened yet. There was another team in the East you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so uh, I, as I've stated on this podcast before, I think the, that the Raptors will win the Eastern Conference. And I think that when they make the finals and presumably play Golden State, that that game, that we, that, that we will get a, a seven-game series. Because I think that the Raptors can, I'm not going to say that they will beat the Warriors, but I'm saying that they have the best chance in the NBA at beating the Warriors. Play Ibaka at the five, Kawhi at the four, Pascal Siakam at the three, Danny Green at the two, and Kyle Lowry at the one. I'm not sure there's a more versatile, engulfing defense out there. I, I don't think they could shut down Golden State, but I definitely think they can make it a close series. But but my question to you would be, what what about Toronto do you think makes them the, the prohibitive favorite in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, you know, I, I think that even though Giannis is having – just a fantastic season is as we talked to before is one of the two finalists for for mvp i still think that Kawhi leonard might just be the best player in the whole conference so in any playoff series they'll have the best player and they're just really well built for modern basketball they have all these guys on the wings who can defend they have a good bench they have role players you know coming off the benches fan fleet and gasol and and they're just a really good team. They're they're pretty well coached, and I just think that having Leonard and guys who have been through different playoff runs before is, is a huge advantage for, for them. Yeah, and Pascal Siakam is another guy. He might win Most Improved Player of the Year. He's not all that skilled, but he just plays harder than everyone else. Yeah. They, I mean, like, they just have guys who are just really good and just do all the little things, guys who understand their roles, like, OG is going to come in in the playoffs and play really good defense. He, he might he might only take one or two shots, but he knows that his role is to guard on the wing. And the same thing with Siakam and Gasol and Lynn is a great addition. Uh, it just adds another dynamic pick and roll ball handler. And they're just a really good, really dangerous, deep team. And they haven't had any problems this year in terms of major chemistry like the Celtics or the Sixers. Right, and I think a lot of that has to do with when you're Best player is as low maintenance as Kawhi Leonard. If he's not throwing a fuss or a tantrum about anything, no one else really can either. Yeah, when, when your best player just goes to work and, and does his job at an incredibly high level and says nothing and just dominates the game and, and wins and, and, and it's zero drama, it, it just sets the tone for everyone else of this is how we do business. You know, like, like we don't take drama on the Toronto Raptors when, when Kawhi's the leader. With the Celtics, on the other hand, is it's just all drama. Going, going back to the Raptors, when you fire your head coach, when you had successful runs, not necessarily in the playoffs, thanks to LeBron, but have successful runs, and you fire your coach, you're basically telling the team, this isn't good enough. We're, we're a championship team, and 
Until we get there, we're not going to be satisfied. I mean, there's a there's a fire of Kyle Lowry's ass this year. He was not happy that DeMar DeRozan was traded. He was not happy that Dwayne Casey was fired. But by doing so, I think Masai Ujiri really sent a message to the whole team that, guys, we're going for the championship right now. So Definitely. There's, there are little Warriors-esque where they've had some runs, the way the Warriors had a couple runs with Mark Jackson and fired him and hired Kerr, and then they became the best dynasty, maybe perhaps in NBA history. Not saying that the Raptors are anywhere near that level, but they had runs with Dwayne Casey, fire, fire him. And with the new coach, they've been really, really good. Yeah, no doubt. Here's, here's my next take. The 2017 draft class. So this excludes Ben Simmons. Right now, the guys who are pretty much in the conversation for best player in that draft class, Jason Tatum's name is thrown around a lot. Have not been impressed by him this year. Donovan Mitchell's name is thrown around in that conversation. We, we can have a discussion about him. De'Aaron Fox is another one. His ceiling is super high, but he also has to realize that potential. There's a fourth player, though, that I don't think is getting much recognition. And I think he deserves some. He's averaging 19 points and nine rebounds, shooting nearly 40% from three at 6'11". And part of the reason why he's not getting the the pub that he deserves is because he's playing in Chicago and they're, quite frankly, they suck. So no one really wants to talk or watch the Bulls. But Lori Markinen is an absolute walking bucket. Lori was awesome his freshman year at Arizona. At Arizona, being a foreign player from Finland, he kind of popped up on the map when he was at Arizona because he didn't do the the usual uh, AAU circuit and all the high school All-American games. So I, as a college basketball fan, I didn't know who he was until he started dominating in the Pac-12, as the as Bill Wallace would call it, the Conference of Champions. And, and he was really just awesome that whole year. Lonzo Ball probably got more hype than, than he did, but... But marketing was still really good, and ever since he came into the league, he's just been, he's just been on on. I think he has just found a really good situation for him. Chicago's like let him grow and do the things that he's really good at, and without any of the immediate pressure to you know save the team the way that when Lonzo Ball got drafted to the Lakers, it was he's saving the Lakers. It was like Laurie, you're our guy, but we're going to keep progressing. We're going to keep working with you. They added a guy like Zach Levine to, to play with him to take some of the immediate pressure off, but still without any of the pressure of you must make the playoffs immediately. Outside of Embiid, I'm not sure there's another big in the Eastern Conference who I would take over the next handful of years than Laurie Markin. And I think he's going to be special. Yeah, you know, he, he is going to be really special. And, and I think that the one guy who probably compete with him from this draft class because as you said, Tatum just hasn't taken the, the same leap that I think we all kind of expected him to take. I think Fox is the guy who who's going to challenge Laurie eventually for the best player in this draft class. And and in, you know your thought experiment with Laurie on on the Lakers that wasn't really going to happen since they still had Julius Randle. I think the better thought experiment is Fox on the Lakers would be really really interesting now. But but I agree with you. Laurie has to be. I mean I mean do you count Laurie, uh, Giannis as a as a guard or a wing or is he a big? I'm counting Giannis as just. I heard Bill Simmons call him an alien. Did you hear that? Yeah. He's just an he's just an A. He's an alien. Speaking of Giannis, this is my last take. So this kills me to say, it really does. But on Friday, the Bucks, the Bucks are playing the Lakers in Staples Center. The Milwaukee Bucks are traveling out to LA to play LeBron James and crew. 
in Staples Center, 10.30 game on ESPN, national spotlight. This is it, Dave. The torch is being passed. LeBron is handing the baton to Giannis and saying, run with it, young fella. Giannis and Tedekumpo, starting on Friday, March 1st, is the best basketball player in the world. Period. End of discussion. I love LeBron, my favorite athlete of all time. He's taken a step back this year. His defense has slipped over the past couple years, but this year there's been a noticeable slip. Since he's come back from injury, playing at about, I mean, he said 280. He looks he looks pretty heavy. That's obviously something that can change, but when you're, you know, 34, kind of in the twilight of your career, that's that's not an issue you want to be dealing with. But ultimately, I, th- I think this game on Friday night is symbolic because it will be the moment in time when, you know, the torch was passed. It was with Kobe, and then it went to LeBron, and LeBron's held it since probably 2010, really. And for the past nine years, he's been the undisputed best player in the world. You can make the argument Steph Curry for a month here or there may have taken it from LeBron, but by and large, LeBron's been the best player on planet Earth for the past decade, and that ends tomorrow. Wow. I mean... Giannis is the next guy. I think everyone kind of agrees with that, that for the guy who is going to take, take the throne is that it will be Giannis. I'm stunned that, that you think it's going to be Friday. I think more realistically, on Friday, LeBron will invite Giannis out to dinner with Rich Paul and other clutch sport clients to try to see if he wants to come play with him in Los Angeles because, you know, LeBron is, LeBron is, a, is a fan of tampering. And... He, he likes to tamper, and you know there's no harm in asking Giannis if he likes the L.A. weather. But, I mean, I think LeBron has a year left. I, I agree with you that his defense this year, mainly just from his effort level, has just been atrocious with a capital A. Um, the way that he just stares at the ball and doesn't react and then blames other people when somehow his guy gets a wide-open shot, like someone's supposed to rotate over and guard his guy and their own guy. I, I just think LeBron's really, really unhappy with his team. And, and I think that Giannis is just playing with a lot of joy that LeBron isn't playing with. Piggybacking off of that, Le- LeBron's focus at this point, I think it's unfair to question his commitment to the game, but he's already given his word that he's going to film Space Jam 2 this summer and Friday night when this game's going on, when it starts essentially at 10.30, Episode three of the shop is being released. So it's this guy's got his feet in a in a bunch of different different waters. And I, I just think Giannis is is coming. And I think starting March of twenty nineteen, tomorrow, Giannis is the best player in the world. Yeah, I I'm I'm not gonna go all the way there with you yet. I still need to see some postseason success from Giannis. Um I think this is very comparable to two thousand eight, two thousand nine when LeBron was was inching at and clawing at Kobe's heels, and Kobe responded by winning titles those those years. And I got a question for you. So I think we can both be in agreement that the best player in the world crown was worn by Kobe. It was then taken over by LeBron, and it appears that it will next be worn by Giannis. Is Kevin Durant the best player to have never been the top dog in the league at one point? Probably. I mean, when Magic and Bird was playing, I mean, this is obviously way before our time, but 
you know, was was Larry or Magic ever considered the best in the world, or were they always just one one A one B? Um, I don't think Jordan had played at a time with anyone as good as Durant competing at like his peak versus like his peak. So, so I mean, maybe Hakeem, but but Hakeem was the best player in the world when Jordan played baseball. So. I think that's a great comparison for for Durant because Durant also gave that interview to Sports Illustrated a bunch of years ago where he was like, I'm tired of being in second place, where it's kind of his whole basketball career has been he's he's just been the second guy. So now so now this brings us to to my final take. Um speaking of LeBron, I am starting to believe very, very I'm I'm at the beginning of stages of this, very, very beginning, that LeBron might leave the Lakers. Is, is he going to demand a trade or what? I think that he'll either demand a trade or he'll find some way to opt out of his contract. Um, there is when you watch his effort level and when you watch the way that he communicates and interacts with his teammates, it's very reminiscent of his time in Cleveland last year where you could tell that he was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like these guys suck and I hate playing with these guys and, it's very similar to what he's doing right now in Los Angeles with the, with the lack of effort on defense, blaming everyone else, yelling at other people for things that like weren't their faults and like were LeBron's faults. And, and like you said, I, I feel like he has so many other interests away from the game that I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that he, that he doesn't have to actually live in Los Angeles year round to do to handle all his business there. I'm, I'm starting to believe that that he might try to find a basketball situation that's better to try to win a couple more titles before Giannis takes the torch. I think LeBron James would retire before he demands a trade. Always kind of tried to think about LeBron James as a role player, and I'm not sure if he would be interested in doing that. A lot of superstars would rather just hang it up when you're on top and walk out like that. And we've seen others like Vince Carter extend their careers 10 years past when I thought they'd be over. But now that it's kind of getting down to it and you're seeing LeBron James, I don't want to say deteriorate, but his powers are definitely lessened than they used to be. For him and for his legacy, it would behoove him to retire rather than just demand a trade. He moved to LA because of his business interests. He's going to be able to be a brand and a name and rack in, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars after his playing career. And I think that was kind of his mindset when he decided to go to L.A. And not that basketball was secondary. I can't see him demanding a trade, but I definitely see where you're coming from and, and having that thought. Yeah, I, it's, I'm just not convinced yet the way that you are that LeBron is fully done with the basketball, try to win as many titles as possible phase of his career. Um, and maybe he is, and maybe he's just tricking me. Um and maybe I, I just don't want it to be over yet. Uh, but it's clear that this Lakers team is is not going to win that much with the way that it's built currently and with the their proven ability to whiff on major free agents. It seems unlikely that they're going to win a lot in the future without a lot of help. Yeah, it's tough. I think that'll do it for our basketball talk. What do you think? Yep. Yeah, so I think we're going to wrap it up here with our NBA talk. And we're going to get a word in here from our sponsors. And then we're going to toss it to an Ohio State super fan who you'll soon be introduced to. Yep, lo- looking forward to it. A lot of great NFL combine stuff.
out with us on the double double we have an ohio state super fan and current head coach of men's basketball at pratt institute and formerly an assistant coach at wesleyan university max sass coach sass how are you doing i'm doing great guys i'm uh, i'm honored to be here today we're honored that you're our first guest on the podcast so we, we wanted to bring you on to talk to you a little bit about Dwayne Haskins, the NFL Combine. The measurements were recorded this morning, and Haskins measured in at 6'3 and a half, 230. What are your just initial impressions and thoughts of Haskins as an NFL prospect? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, I think ultimately the greatest conversation that we'll probably get into and, and ultimately everybody's having right now is, all right, like who's the best quarterback in the draft? Is it Haskins or is it Kyler Murray? And I mean, before we even touch on that, I think just Haskins as a pro, I, like Haskins was very interesting just to go back to his time at Ohio State in the sense that he didn't necessarily fit the quote unquote spread style, uh, you know, option run offense that Urban Meyer had success with, you know, with guys like Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, obviously JT Barrett for four years at Ohio State and and. Haskins kind of is your more traditional NFL quote-unquote pocket passer and so I think he actually might be even more prolific in the NFL than he than he was in college though again kudos to Urban Meyer and Ryan Day for opening things up a little bit more this past season with him under center one of my main concerns about all the quarterbacks in this class not just Haskins is the lack of experience as a starting quarterback. Um, as an Ohio State fan, was Haskins expected to start for multiple years, or was he always known as one year starter when he got the chance and then he depart for the NFL? That's a really good question. Uh, Haskins wasn't even guaranteed to be the starter this year in a whole in a lot of ways. I mean, you kind of have to go back two years, so. Going into not this most recent season, but the previous fall, uh, JT Barrett's senior year, Joe Burrow was expected to be the backup. And Joe Burrow is an Ohio guy before he transferred to LSU, and Haskins was expected to be the third string. And they they went into camp battling for the backup job, and Burrow ended up breaking his hand. And so Haskins kind of won that backup job by default. And if you remember, they were down to Michigan and Haskins came in, he threw a couple dynamic passes, led them on a drive, led them to victory. And from that point on, people were kind of calling for Haskins and, uh, you know, you'd have to ask the coaches, but from the fans' perspective, I'm not sure uh, Burrow ever got a fair shake at that point. So there was definitely a lot of hype, but that was just from one half of football. Uh, and, And I think part of it was also just that Ohio State fans were a little bit tired of the the old JT Barrett run behind the right guard. They wanted something different. They wanted something pleasing. They wanted the, you know, the air raid, air it out, West Coast, whatever you want to call it. And and so they that's what they were hoping for. They wanted a dude with a cannon attached to his right shoulder. I mean, Kyler Murray obviously had a great season, but in almost any other season, definitely this decade and probably in the past 15, 20 years, I think the numbers Haskins put up this year, he probably would have been the Heisman Trophy winner in a lot of years past. Just kind of unfortunate for him that he's kind of had his his marquee season the same year Kyler Murray was was running rampant and down in Norman. Like I, I think Haskins, his biggest 
concerns in my eyes are his lack of experience. He really only had one full season as a starter. And we saw Mitchell Trubisky in a similar boat, and he was still picked second overall. So that didn't really seem to do him any disservice in terms of where he got picked. But he hasn't really had the greatest success yet in the NFL. And the other thing that I'm kind of a little bit concerned with about Haskins is his lack of mobility. Despite what, what Stephen A. Smith says, he he's definitely a, like surgical from the pocket. But I just am not sure if and when pressure gets to him because in the NFL it will get to him. I'm not sure how he's going to be able to function in, in under those circumstances. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I think the mobility is going to be something that that could be kind of a red flag but actually it's kind of interesting because a lot of teams have the Giants picking him uh sixth overall in that mock draft or whenever the Giants are scheduled to pick and I mean you guys have seen it you guys are from the area you've seen Eli Manning and Eli Manning is a statue and but and I think that's an interesting comparison because I don't think Haskins is a statue I just think he's not Michael Vick he's certainly not Kyler Murray Michael Vick but you know, you, you look at, I'm trying to think of some guys that can move a little bit, but like, and maybe this is not a fair comparison, Roethlisberger, for example, is a guy with a bigger frame who you're not running QB draws for, you're not running the, you know, RPOs like is the new style, but Haskins is never going to be Carson Wentz, but he can be Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion. So you got to decide if you want Roethlisberger or you want Russell Wilson, and 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 that's kind of what the question is, in my opinion. I mean... Eli Manning doesn't move. Haskins can move. Speaking objectively now, as a fan, not just of Ohio State, but as of college football as a whole, is Haskins the unquestioned number one quarterback prospect ahead of Kyler Murray and the kid from Duke, Daniel Jones? I, I mean, I, I think he's just got, you know, uh, listen, I've listened to another uh, enough uh, other podcasts, none quite as good as the Double Double, but but with, you know, pretty good analysis. And they talk about arm talent a lot. And that's what Haskins has. He has arm talent, right? Like you see, I think one of the first things that really impressed me was you go back to the TCU game, which was their third game of the season was their you know, their first really, really big game. They had beaten, you know, Rutgers at that point and, and much love to the home state, but it's not TCU. And they go down to Dallas, and I think it was the first drive. Haskins throws this beautiful pass over the top, and he just drops it right in Austin Mack's breadbasket. And, and it was, what, 50, 60 yards? And that was the point where it was like, holy cow, this dude's an NFL quarterback. And that was only his third start of his career. I mean, he can put the ball into tight windows. He can throw it down the field. And, and ultimately, that's what the NFL is about nowadays. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you uh, relating to Haskins, Ohio State, they've had some really good quarterbacks over the past couple of years with JT Barrett and Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor. We can even go back to to Troy Smith in terms of pro prospects Haskins is the best one I don't, I'm not sure it's all that close but in terms of their time at Ohio State did you feel watching the Buckeyes did you feel the most confident in Haskins or did you feel as I mean obviously Troy Smith won the Heisman but in, in terms of you know their their potency on on the field in uh in Columbus how, how would you stack up Haskins to the rest of rest of the bunch that's an awesome question. Um, I think that actually my confidence in Haskins sort of waxed and waned throughout the year. And uh, so I was at the Penn State game this year, right? And that was a game that they won, but 
if you look at the first half where they were held to, I believe, like six points, maybe seven, I think it was six points, they had two field goals in the first half, Haskins couldn't get anything going downfield. And a lot of that was Penn State had a good game plan, but part of it was, you know, Haskins couldn't figure his way around it. Now, the Ohio State coaching staff and Haskins did a good job adjusting, and they screamed past Penn State to death, and they won that game. But I, I would say my confidence level in Haskins was not at the same level of some other guys. Now, you know, JT Barrett was just solid. He was just really, really solid. And especially under Tom Herman as his offensive coordinator, you felt great about him. You know, certainly Cardell on that run, you know, you 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 felt great about in those three games. But to me, the guy that I always felt so awesome about was Braxton Miller. And that's ironic in a sense, because he actually had the only loss to Michigan and the only losing season or, uh, you know, not nine win, eight win season in, in a number of years when he was a freshman starter in 2011, uh, you know, after quote unquote tattoo gate and all that stuff and prior got thrown out. But Braxton Miller just had a way of figuring stuff out, guys. And, you know, I'm not sure if you remember watching, but I'll never forget the way he pulled the ball out of Carlos Hyde's arms against Penn State on the goal line that year and then made the dude miss. Obviously, you know, the the spin against Virginia Tech, I, again, maybe it's just kind of like the memory bias, but it, with the exception of him and, uh, with you know, certainly Craig Krenzel winning the national title, um, Braxton Miller's my guy. But the interesting thing, and, and not to jump the gun, but Ohio Maybe replacing Haskins with a better pro prospect in the Justin Fields, the Georgia transfer. So I think Haskins, <laughs> you know, he better do something special or he's going to get forgotten pretty quickly. Um, a more accurate Cardell Jones with his head screwed on straight. Does that sound like an app comparison? He, he came here to play school, right, Kelly? <laughs> exactly. But he, listen, guys, I... I don't like I'm I appreciate you guys asking for my opinion but I was also the guy who said D'Angelo Russell was the next James Harden so what do I know I have the Ohio State bias built in pretty deep coach Sass we appreciate you taking the time and enlightening all of us with your Dwayne Haskins and Ohio State takes we appreciate it and hopefully soon we can have you on to maybe talk some Mets or, or some college basketball yeah that would be wonderful uh Though, if we don't have to talk about the Mets, that would probably uh, brighten my day a little bit. You guys are the best. You're doing a great job, and keep killing it. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for Episode 6 of the Double Double. Thanks to Coach Sass for joining us. You guys can email us, as we mentioned earlier in the pod. Our email account is doubledouble402 at gmail.com. Please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time.